Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Yo, yo, guess who? That's right, your English small business friend. And I'm at you today with something a little different. I had the pleasure of recording an interview, a face-to-face interview, which I do a little bit less of these days. Maybe maybe I'll get back to doing more of that. And the interview today is with someone called Simon Biltcliffe, a fantastic business person who I've met on numerous occasions and get along with really, really well. Now, Simon has created a business called Webmart UK, and the way that he's created this business is completely radical. The way that he manages this business is completely radical, and the way that he actually empowers his staff intellectually, emotionally, and financially is just completely unbelievable. Really, this will change the way you think about business. It's changed the way that I think about my businesses, and interestingly, It's enabled Simon to have a fantastic, stress-free life. He probably is the only CEO in the world that doesn't seem at all stressed. It really is something to see. And the issue that we're challenging during this conversation is how you can scale your business by not only empowering your staff, but inverting your management structure and thinking about things a little differently. Now, we turned up, we made a good old English cup of tea, And we set the recording system off. We put the mics in front of us and we just chatted. So as ever, we do close the show with three actionable tips, but just enjoy this conversation. Just sit back, relax. If you're in the gym, put the weights down, get on the treadmill, do a nice steady walk and just take this in because this will change how you think about business. Enjoy, folks. And so as soon as you start challenging the convention, people... Start thinking actually that'll work with with me, and thereafter, if if you make a people focused business, it, it kind of gets a lot easier. Well, they kind of no one wants to turn up and do something that they don't feel empowered by. They don't want to go home at the end of the day feeling like they've not achieved anything, do they? Well, I mean, that, we we often do, don't you? You know, you, you spend all your time. I mean, um, having days where you're busy as out and you've not got anything to show for it at the end. But I think at a strategic level, quite often. It, it's staggering how many even very successful businesses the if you ask to the leadership team or the um to the owner why why are you in business i'm no fucking clue <laughs> not a clue and if you and you actually think well shareholder value and maximizing returns and stuff but actually that doesn't mean to how does that resonate with anybody outside of you know the top table or or the kind of professional services that are supporting you and all whatever and so it's got to be human. If it if it isn't human, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't have that human dimension. Do you think that that's one thing that strikes me as well? Because I often, when I first started the podcast, I kind of did it as an outlet for myself because I found myself, as you just completely nailed down, why the hell am I doing this? I've got a business that feels like a job. Mm. It feels like I'm turning up and I'm not doing it for myself. I'm just plowing through and all I do is reply to bloody emails. Mm. It feels such a pain in the ass. Well, yeah, you feel out of control because you haven't got that tether. It's untethered. Yeah. You know, it's a, you're on demand and, you know, all the time now, the, the, you, there's constant channels that you have to be monitoring to find out what's going on or whatever. But the truth of the matter is you step back and you have a, 
And if you, you get a cogent purpose that you can communicate to everybody in your organization, then all of a sudden you've got this this force that people can buy into as long as it's for everybody's gain. You know, you're not going to get anybody buying into, tell you what, I'm going to make myself a bucket load of money. And when I've made a bucket load of money, I'm going to sell it. And you lot are going to be sold to somebody else who's then going to make a lot more money on you. I mean, how does, you know, how does that res- resonate with people? And it, so, if, and this is where I think there is a, a kind of missing trick in that I think most people understand human dimensions and you, we understand that it's not all about money. Of course it isn't. You know, when you support a football team, as you know, last night to Barnsley, it's fantastic. <laughs> what a great game it was. But, you know, we all love it. There's no, you know, there's nothing there mm. that's bond, bonding people together other than a, a common cause. And, you you know, you get this real euphoria mm. about it, despite the fact we lost. And you can get the same in a business. If you get an alignment that really means something to themselves, to the families, to the people around them, to the community, to whatever, and this isn't wishy-washy. This is, this is resilient. Mm. You know, this is, then that's the difference between it. It's got sustainability built into it because it's doing the right things for the right reason and delivering value to all. Yeah. If you get that, then uh, understandably you get alignment. You get motivation. You get all the stuff that, you know, you read books about. It comes as standard. It becomes legitimate within the business as well. And I'm curious about that, actually, because running the business that we run, it's like you said, you see that in books and it becomes all well and good. And you think you get really vitalized by this. You think, brilliant, I'm inspired. I'm going to implement this. I'm going to dig in and I'm going to make my business one of these amazing businesses that this person in this book is talking about. How did you actually achieve that? Because Webmart is a fantastic cultural company. That's what impressed me so much when we first met. You've got that really nailed. Where did you start with that? What made you implement that? How the heck did you start? I think a lot of it was down to the fact that whenever you work for a, a normal business, you just think, "What? What on earth am I doing? What you know? The, you're having to convince people to do stuff that you don't re- believe yourself. There's no kind of, there's no moral tone in there. And this is where you, you start. And I, I knew there had to be a better way of running a business because it really, you know, there's some fantastic people in the business. There were really good people. In fact, quite a few of the people I work with now in Webmart. Um, but it didn't value people, even though it said it, you know, because actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. It didn't uh, communicate effectively why we were doing things. It didn't uh, resonate on any level other than money um, that give you what you need in life and you need you know we all need to f- a feeling of belonging we all need a feeling of, of uh appreciation we all need tick 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 now you have to do it you know you don't just go around you know clapping people on the back saying well done for no particular reason so this is where there's a there's a kind of vision and there's a moral basis for what you do those are the two things you do yeah a vision it doesn't mean to say you know you want to change the world or whatever but you want to be the best or you want to be exceptional or you want to offer the best whatever it is, to people that you deliver. And then there's a moral code, how we do things around it. And the stronger that is, the more appealing it is to a relatively small percentage of people. But to those people, they're strong advocates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you use the football team and football match, the same kind of thing. You don't, you know, not everybody gets it, but those that get it, get it. And and therefore everything, you know, you get a, a, a range of people, different skills, different aptitudes, different personalities. But if, if it resonates with them, they're all pulling the same direction and it makes it simpler. Then all you have to do is, once you've got the morals and the view or the ethical code and, and the view of where you're going to go, you need to get the right people. And that obviously attracts the right type of people to understand what you want and then have an alignment to deliver firstly intellectual return. 
if you if you maximise the um, if you like the opportunity that anybody has within the business to maximise what they've got into within their head, then they always enjoy it. If you, if you've been pushed, not in a, you know not in a kind of draconian way, but if you be if you're given, given opportunities, trained, developed, and what have you, maximise the the intellectual return, you you enjoy it. You have the emotional return. If you have the intellectual and emotional return, that's happy days. And then, as a byproduct, that you'll be the best that you can be, and you get the financial return. So it's intellectual, emotional, and financial in that order. But you will always get it. Most companies go F first, and then kind of ignore the rest of the mish. You know, <laughs> despite saying that they don't. <laughs> despite they saying don't. So we, you know, we do measure all of those three. You know, professional development, and taking things out of people's roles that they're not good at. Because if you're not good at it, you don't enjoy it. So you can't be good at everything. So work out what you what you enjoy and what you're good at. Maximize that. Try and get a, away from doing anything that you don't. You know, obviously it's not always possible, but you you can you can aim that as a, a as a um, as an objective in the short to medium term, uh, and then develop the skills that gives more time to do the stuff that they're good at, which makes you more successful as a business. And then the more that you uh, go out and are net promoters and that the more people want to work with you you know you get that kind of feel that you you know these people really care and you know people who really care um are amazingly powerful in the marketplace the one thing that gets me about that what i think is really cool about that is and and really interesting counterintuitive for any any boss you know that loose phrase the word boss everything that you said there is the sort of stuff that people tell you when you set up your own business Cut out the things you don't like, focus on the things you enjoy. So it feels like you give the employees that chance to to feel like they are a complete equal. You know, everything is completely equal. You stick to what you're good at, and if you're not good at it or you don't enjoy it, or you don't enjoy it, we know you're not going to be the best at it. So let's move on and let's yeah. figure out. That's really powerful. That. It is, and, it, and it's self-regulating. Because mm. if that's the approach that you take, it's actually you don't need to micromanage it. So, I mean, you, you, using Maslow and his hierarchy of needs, you, you give the security and you give the opportunity and you want to get people towards the top of that, the, the kind of self-realisation, actualization. And you can do that relatively easily. But if they're up there, then you can't have a conventional management structure. Mm. You can't have it so it's a top-down um, business because it, it doesn't work. So you have to invert the pyramid. So you have to, you, you look at Maslow to get people up to where they want to be. And you can kind of tell when, when they're comfortable in what, in what they do, they're secure in their role and all that stuff. And they come up with ideas. Then they need to have a way of harnessing those ideas and be, and seeing them turn into reality. Mm. So because ideas are cheap, delivering them is really difficult. You know, so we've inverted the management structure. So the frontline teams who are out seeing customers and suppliers, they have a weekly team meeting. They decide within those teams. Uh, what is the improvements that they need to make? And some of them are short, some are medium, some are long term. They validate them and they you know get a thumbs up and uh, the majority rules on that. But then we have a leadership team meeting again on a weekly basis where the four heads of uh, the teams meet together to make sure that the ideas coming out of their teams work throughout the business. So it's not taking value one place and taking it from another. Mm-hmm. It, it maximizes it. And then I'm there to support the leadership team. So the leadership team support the frontline team, and I'm there to support them. That's that it. very interesting. That is very so, interesting. Well, it's really simple as well. It feels it. It feels, now you've said it, now you've laid it out, it almost feels like we're all missing a trick. <laughs> you know? Well, it, I, th- I think there is an awful lot of that, but it, it, you've got to have 
certain prerequisites to do that. Trust and transparency are the two most powerful things. You've got to have people you can trust, and that's easier said than done. But generally, being from up north, you um, you trust people as soon as you meet them. And I've always found that it's dead easy because either people will live up to that trust immediately or they'll try and screw you immediately. Mm. People don't tend to kind of change, you know, they are either trustworthy or, or not. Yeah, leopard and spot, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and so if you, you know, it, and you've obviously got networks like LinkedIn where you can check if you don't know people, you've got a, you've got a context that you can do it now where you, so you wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to before. So you do that quite quickly. You have a team you can trust and then you be as transparent as you possibly can because it's the most efficient way of being tr- a trusting transparent business is simple. There are no different views on things. So the board meeting notes that we have, we have once a month where we all sit down together uh, as a leadership team. We share all of the notes with everybody in the business. Wow. So everybody gets everything that we've seen uh, the next day. Um, we've got live metrics on the board, which show the turnover, the gross profit, the operating profit, the happiness of the business. So we measure happiness every day, uh, happiness of our customers and our suppliers. We have measure those every day. The most influential people within the business we measure because we do um, an, twice a year. We do uh, a fully anonymous throughout the business kind of um, take on how well we're working as a team, not on individual KPIs. Uh, but on uh, the actual um, performance and interactivity. So how well you feel supported by somebody and how interactive you are with them. So obviously the most important people in the business are those that give an awful lot because they're being very supportive and are highly interactive. That, uh, and then equally it shows you for people who don't give an awful lot or are highly interactive, they generally are pulling the organisation back. So there's a – and when you go into individual reviews with people as a, as a team leader – then you've got effectively 30 people or 20 people or however many interactions coming up with this and they share it between themselves and the team leaders. So it really does democratise that in a in a caring way and it identifies, you do a self-assessment as well and you in, and it's also indexed against the average score for each one. So you know whether right. you're better or worse. Wow. So that again gives you an opportunity to disseminate best practice. So if somebody says this person's particularly good at this, maybe, you know, uh, particularly supportive or working above me on the, you know, the uh, call of duty, you know, it's like it shows you ways you can show appreciation, which are really important. But also if somebody is under in any in, in individual score, you immediately map them against somebody who's mm. perceived within the business as exceptionally good at it. So you can self um, develop. That is really curious. And one of the points that you brought up earlier was that trust and transparency. And yeah. I'm really curious about new employees mm-hmm. or even when you, you know, when you first implemented this kind of culture and this mindset, people aren't used to, you know, let's, I, I hate the term employees, you know, quote unquote employee as such. How did people react to that? Were they, did they struggle to get into that transparent mode and feel like they could be transparent with the board members and yourself? Yeah, I think it, I mean it's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's it's an evolution rather than a revolution. I mean, it, you know, looking at it now, you think oh, that's fantastic. But even now, you know, there's an awful lot of stuff that we know we need to do to be better. You know, this isn't utopia. There are an awful lot of stuff that uh, I know we know as a business that we can improve still further. So it is a journey. Uh, it is a continuum. There are things that we've done that uh, haven't worked out. There are things that I've had to uh, just say, listen, I know it'll work. It isn't, you know, it isn't a kibbutz. You know, know, there are times when you you have to say, listen, we're going to give it a go and I'll hold my hand up if it's wrong, 
but less so these days to be honest because of the inverted this is in the old hub and spoke when I was at the middle and everything came in or you know and that but now it, it, there are less of that of that because people can see that radical things unusual things really do appeal to people you know the rooms that uh, there are some uh, different meeting rooms that we have and people go wow that's, that's fantastic but when they saw it in the first time they were like it was like the scream you know they're like <laughs> oh my god what are, you know what 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 are we doing um so you know you can't if it's unconventional you have to appreciate the fact that it, you will not get you support generally right, okay, and yeah. you have to have that and this is where the individual you know all the tenacity stuff and all that stuff that you see and there's that's fated throughout entrepreneurial circles that's where you you know self-belief and all that stuff you've got to go through and but if i mean i love history so if you look back in history all the stuff an awful lot of the stuff that we now take as absolutely just fantastic was at the time if you read contemporary journals hated mm. st paul's nobody liked it they thought we were trying to take the Vatican City and put it in the middle of London. What on earth is that doing there? Well, of course, now it's an iconic British thing with that picture of all the fire and all that kind of stuff going on. House of Commons, when that went to it the first time, it was seen as an appalling pastiche of some kind of gothic nastiness. You know, right next to Westminster Abbey and right next, you know, Westminster Hall and, you know, medieval stuff. Now, of course, nobody now would think anything other than this is just this is Big Ben and all that kind of stuff. But at the time, and so you've got to realise even things like you know we've got an Elizabethan war room uh, because at the time of the great explorers, you know the reason they had little boats is because nobody believed they'd ever come back. They always put a little bit of money into them. You know now we look back. Well, of course, America was there. Of course, of course, potatoes and you know silk trade and little. But at the time, we weren't. So there is a there is a mixture of. Empowering, of course, you've got to empower the team because that's it. But also having self belief, and and you know, if it's wrong or if it's right, there are times when you, you need to say, "Listen, we'll give it a go," and uh, as a, 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 and you try. And some, and of course, there's a high degree of failure as well, which you've got to you've got to learn from. Let's talk finances because you have a very interesting reward model, don't you, at Webmart? Let's talk about that for a second. I found that really intriguing and wildly, wildly promising for businesses so just tell us about that a little bit okay well i mean one one of the things that when i started it uh, it wasn't meant to be me on my own but uh, about two weeks three weeks before i started two people who were going to be starting with me uh, dropped out and i had a decision whether i was going to do it on my own or otherwise and i thought right, i've got to give it a go so i ended up being 100 percent shareholder um and one of the things that um that, that gave you was for good or ill total control and so what it allowed me to do is get build a business up and all of a sudden we were making for two or three years four hundred thousand pounds a year profit and i just thought well actually that's that's quite a lot of money now and so but i wanted to to bring in the best people and to deliver value back to the others so what we i developed is something called the sexy scheme which is the senior executive incentive scheme and it's on our website so if anybody wants to download and copy it feel free and the idea of that is anybody who's been there two years is a senior executive, irrespective of their role. They've been here for two years. They're a, they're a web martyr. They're a person that has the right values because two years in, they've put in a shift as well for the business, so they've helped doing that. So it's an inclusive 
scheme. I wanted it to be inclusive because generally those that come earliest into an organisation get all of the money. Mm. And then you've got all sorts of issues with shareholdings and all this kind of stuff. So there's no shareholding involved. It's a distribution of profits. And and a a business is a bag of people with an alignment to deliver surplus value emotionally, intellectually, and of course financially. So we worked out what was enough for the business to be uh, self Funded without having to get any externalities, any outside investors, and that four hundred thousand seemed about right. So we kept at four hundred thousand, and above that, I said, "Listen, every pound we make above that in profit, half goes to the team, half goes to me." <laughs> so we said, "Seemed fair, you know." There's only about five or six of us at the time, and so we you worked on, and then all of a sudden, it, over a few years, it got up to a million pounds. Well, thereafter. You start thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa! We've got enough in the business. What's enough for me? I don't, I don't need to to go on here. So we set another cap at a million pounds profit, and we've got live metrics which show today we're seventy one percent towards the way of getting the first threshold and all that stuff. So we we have real time metrics on this, shared amongst the team, updated every two minutes, and above that, a hundred percent of the profits go to the team. Wow! It costs. Well, the truth of the matter is that if if you've got a system where the business is looked after, the shareholders are looked after, all they have to do is decide what enough is. Mm. You know, nothing is, you shouldn't have infinite. Because, you know, what does infinite mean? You know, you, you get a lot of diminishing returns, blah, blah, blah. Work out what enough is. Thereafter, there are surplus funds. And having this kind of structure in place means you never have to sell it. You don't have to do anything. You've not taken any. We've never borrowed any money. It allows us to do all, take high high risks sometimes with innovation, with things that work and things that don't work. So you can think outside of the box because there is, you know, whenever you take money from an investor, your strategy is the same as theirs. You have to be because they're wanting the return on it and they will have a say in it. If you don't take money from anybody other than your own team, your team decides. And that gives you a great degree of freedom so you can do this inversion of, Mm-hmm. Uh, the management structure so and obviously the surplus builds up um so uh, it's it's developed up and uh, in june 2015 which was the last one from the 2014 year uh, everybody in the business who'd been there two years got 43.7 percent of their base salary so what we do is we we take the surplus funds divide it by the base salary of the people in the scheme and it equals a percentage so whatever your role that percentage w- will be the same. Obviously, the amount of money you get is different, but the impact will be the same. So whether you're on a relatively low, a medium, or a high, I mean, it's still quite a startling mm-hmm. amount of money. And we can easily, he said in inverted commas, but we can see a way to get up to 100%. And it's going to be then capped at 100% because then you, if you're not careful, you're going to over overcompensating one sense over it's a it's an overused strength it's like it's like um that's one of the things i found from a training course going where it was now but a weakness is an overused strength i used to think they're diametrically opposite one is at one side one is at the other side but actually it's rather like self-confidence self-confidence go one way overuse it become arrogant so you just need to rein it rein it back in so we thought 100 percent. so you work a year you get a year free mm. seems pretty uh pretty damn impressive it's not bad is it that <laughs> absolutely so that so that that's where we're aiming towards and we've got a three-year plan to double the operating profit that will deliver a doubling of uh that to the team wow that must just do wonders 
for the team as well. Well, you think you think you know you you get these schemes in place and you get this approach in place to deliver of what you're trying to achieve as an organisation, which is obviously why you need to know where you're going as a, because then you can you can drive it towards it. So you look at the desired behaviour you're trying to create. Well, if I'm wanting to empower people to do it, there is no better way than them getting 100% of the growth within the plan to do it. So then you can let go. So as a, as a chief executive, my aim is to help wherever possible and to not and to enjoy that because that's what you get out of, of doing this role rather than trying to control and all this kind of stuff. You, you, you can support everybody in doing it. And as a consequence of that, you enjoy it better. Uh, there is no no better way than having an empowered, self-motivated team aligned in purpose, working together with the right kind of people doing the right kind of things to deliver value to suppliers and to customers alike. And all I'm there to do is there, there to support them. And it's actually the most stress-free CEO's role ever. Well, that's one thing I wanted to dig into, actually. That, that really interests me, your own life, mm. that you know, you get from this, obviously CEOs, MDs, whatever your role is, it's, it's just completely laden with stress or that's the association, isn't it? And mm. obviously you've managed to turn that around. Mm. So what's, what is your typical lifestyle in context of the business versus maybe a standard, if you like, inverted quotes, a standard CEO? What's the difference that this structure's allowed you to have? Well, I, I mean, obviously I, I don't know what a, a standard CEO is, <laughs> except what I read in the press like everybody else, but there's a lot of loneliness in a standard role, in inverted commas, being at the top, it's lonely at the top, all this kind of stuff, which you don't get. Um, it's, uh, you know, you, because you're there to support, so I have weekly me- the structured uh, and have a structured approach. And now we have weekly team meetings. The management team have a weekly meeting without me because they've got to balance it. And that operationally, they, you know, they can decide on, on that. And they've got a very strong incentive to, to work well as, uh, uh, together. And I have weekly individual meetings with the team leaders. So I've got five direct reports. One is uh, Lisa, my PA, who has made 30 to 50% uh, more productive time for me than I would have done because I do the stuff that I'm good at mm-hmm. and she does the stuff that she's good at and it's, it's fantastic. So I can now have a structured approach. So one day a week I'm in, four days a week I'm out, which is nice because generally you you know you, you're in there because you feel you've got to be in control yeah. and you can't let go. Um, being as transparent as I, uh, as we can means that there are no versions of the truth. We all have one version of the truth. Trusting people means that you can say to them, "Look, is that okay? Can I leave that with you?" And if they say yes, then you can forget about it. Um, so, because you know that they're going to deliver it. Uh, if they don't, it's immediately, it's pretty apparent. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And there may be externalities and, you know, people ill and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, but generally, they'll, they'll over-communicate with you, but in a nice way or, uh, you know. So you've got a process in place to do it. Um, and that allows me to go out and do things like this and see people like us, the person I saw this morning, be on uh, speeches. I'm hopefully going to kind of write a book because I've got so many people saying, actually, it's fantastic to do, to do a speech and I go away with all these ideas, but there's no cogent framework. And then you get into the day job and it's and it's kind of, you know, you're working all the hours and you're doing well. But my God, getting that space. So I've also got my what's called my DIY MBA, um, which is uh, I'll never get time inclination to do an MBA course. And there's not an awful lot of relevance in certain areas to the role that I've got now. But I do assiduously read everything and you have to create space for that. 
and I I know where I work best. I work best outside. I I personally like uh, you know like going outside a lot, and uh, and I think better in space. So I uh, usually go outside or my go to the uh, British Library or somewhere like that, and I, I I read a lot because then you understand the context you know of many different things, not just the business books, but you know natural world history, all sorts of stuff that's uh, that that that's quite important. You actually get inspiration from many different places, um, and that's scheduled in every week. Because if you don't do that, it never happens. I love that. I love that it's scheduled in. It has to be. I mean, all if you look in my diary, all the way 2016, it's in. That's amazing. All my meetings are in. So Fridays, I'm in the office. And Fridays, I've got an hour of meeting with everybody. And it's, you know, for the individual team leaders, you know, I, you know, I, it, it gives them an opportunity to have support and also bounce ideas off in a kind of constructive way. And so you have to, you know, we've, you've got rigour, so you've got consistency and whatever, but you then got fluidity within them. You can talk about it. They, and they raise the agenda and stuff because everything is aligned. You're not having to control it in one sense. Obviously, things happen, you know, and there are lessons to be learned, and you try and create those as uh, as effectively as you possibly can and disseminate it throughout the team so the organisation works it makes one mistake rather than the individual level. Yeah. And, but this is a, you know, and it's it's really... Working pretty well now, which is which is nice, and it got, it's got a kind of momentum. You feel like like a flywheel effect if you ever read Good to Great, where where you do have it. It's a, it really gets that momentum going, and then it's a matter of picking up speed and what have you. And I think many businesses, I can do, I can talk to people on individual levels, and it works. It, it does work really well, and I get a lot out of it because it's nice helping people, isn't it? And you know, we do a lot of charity stuff as well, which you know, it's nice. Which I'm going to. Uh, to we've got some spare laptops that we're giving to a, a kind of a soup kitchen just down the road later on and, and stuff and then a bit of politics and I'll, you know um, obviously the local MP lunchtime which is nice so I've got a range of different things that I, I can then do as a consequence of that some of which will help the business perhaps some of which have got nothing to do with it you know, on an individual level but I can uh, I can create that space so you can do good whilst you're creating value rather than wait until you're at the end of your working life and you've got a bucket load of cash and you just like largesse out like you know which is the typical way i think you know we've got a duty to um to give an amount of time rather like in the old days that used to give 10 percent of your income or your your resource to church the church i'm not religious so you give it to you know i think there is a, a moral obligation to give it to people who can benefit from it an element of your time and that's that gives me the space to do that it's amazing that you've been able to create that because because as a as a CEO, you don't feel like a CEO, you know? You feel like you're just steering the business hmm. and you're there to catch things if anything does go wrong. Yeah. But it's steering itself. It's pulling itself it around. Is. And it, that feels amazing. And I would imagine to many of us listening and to, to anyone that's, you know, we get people listening to this in the gym, we get people listening to this mm. driving. So it's kind of, mm. it's the times that you get the inspiration, you get to work. Absolutely. Think, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to implement this. I'm going to yeah. change something. Why do you think people are scared of taking this kind of approach? Because it, it does feel to me as if people may just be thinking, "Sounds amazing, but I'm not sure it's for me." Is that is that an unfair thing to say? Can it work to de- to a varying degree for anyone? I think a lot of it's down to the own the owners. Um, I, I was lucky um, that the two people that were going to join didn't, as it turns out, because it gave me that freedom to do that. And I think it would be very difficult if you haven't got people of a similar nature. To do that and what have you. Uh, the one thing I wanted to get out of um, 
what, uh, of creating Webmark the way it is, is a case study. Because if you talk to any professional advisor, legal, accountancy, um, business links and all, whatever derivative they are now, they've got a very narrow field of vision. They're all taught the same way. They all think the same way. And they all say success equals what they say. The first thing they'll ask you is, what's your exit? Well, I haven't got an exit. I've got no idea of exit. I don't want to exit. Why can't this business last for 100 years or beyond? Um, so let's say it's 100 years time. I want to create, you know, so it's a non-thing. Um, and when you are a startup or when, you, when you're doing it on your own or whatever, you rely on these people. And they naturally... Because they're incredibly risk averse, and also it's it's a high degree of uncertainty. So what I wanted to do is try and create a business that runs along these principles and see, because there's no guarantee it would have worked out. It might have been the biggest buggers model you can possibly get. You know, it may not have worked out in any way, shape, or form. It may have been something that just simply didn't um, d- didn't fulfil the the aspirations of it. So. By trying it, by proving it through a case study of a business, which all everybody can see everything. We, we share everything. We share the happyometer on the website. We share our incentive scheme. Obviously, our figures and are in the public domain and everything. And anybody who wants to come in, we host a lot of uh, people coming into the offices and stuff like that. Then it shows it can be done. Uh, now, not always, and I'm sure there are times when it's there, but... I've been into many companies now and actually by inverting the thought process and by trusting people and being transparent, neither of which cost any money yeah. uh, if you've got the right people. And if you haven't got the right people, you find the ones that aren't the right people really quickly and then you have to exit those because you can't deal with people you can't trust. Um, then all of a sudden it's really it's really straightforward. And you, I suppose in many respects it's like it can be done, therefore give it a go. Or it's move move on the way to a journey, and that's why a lot of people have said, "Look, listen, is there any way we can have a look at an approach?" And I've not, other than speech, I've not done anything in that. And so, it's not something I want it to be a kind of. I've got an idea of of how it can appeal to both on a macro societal level, which is you know what politicians are generally kind of interested in, and they don't really understand what goes on inside people's businesses and whatever you don't actually want to, um, but. Uh, so it will appeal on that level and then at a micro level within a business how do you actually implement this type of thing and what what are the things to think about uh, within it so I'm going to try and do those two elements within it don't know if it'll work out but either which way it's something that people can use because then it then it can scale then an idea can scale and you know that's all it takes you can change the paradigm because we all have embedded within us the way that capitalism works and actually it doesn't have to be that way there is a better way potentially um which makes it a lot easier and certainly if you're at the top and you've of an organization you've got a lot less stress it's got to be worth having a look into well we'd all like that i think we're all we are all in business and i mean it's such a it's become synonymous stress long hours mm. you know all of that stuff mm. that you see in this press and everything that goes along with it and if we can change it that's only got to be a good thing if it can be more successful and it can be a more enjoyable experience for yourself and for everybody else who's working with you in an organization what's the what's the downside Exactly. Completely agree. And that brings us on, actually. I just want to, uh, we're running a fantastic time, really, really solid conversation. Really interesting, actually. I'm going to take a lot from it myself and I'm going to yeah. probably uh, get laughed out of the meeting room when I get back. But we'll start. It's <laughs> well, a journey. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what I'd like to just ask Sam before we wrap up is, 
three very distinct things that people can do to get started. If this has inspired people, what are the first three things that they can do? What are the takeaways that people can actually implement, maybe starting today? I mean, first thing, everything goes around around why you're in business. And be honest about it. If, you, if you're in business simply to make money for yourself, then that's fine. But you cannot expect other people to be engaged with it. So, you know, and... And if you are to make an, uh, to, and if that isn't the reason, then say, what is enough? What is enough for me? You know, and there are a huge amount of studies that money doesn't create uh, happiness. Obviously, having enough money is a prerequisite to that because without enough, and, you know, we all have different forms of enough, um, then it, it, redu it reduces your choice, life choices, and that generally can do that. But obviously, having too much, you know, nobody wants to be a Russian oligarch. You can't go outside without, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, there is a there is a midway to, to be. And it may be a sliding scale. You know, it may be a percentage. It may be, you know, whatever it is. But decide what's enough and 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 set that. Decide what your organisation is enough. And ideally, for me, it was self-funded. I did not want to get outside investment. Now, it isn't always possible and what have you, but that was the rule that I set to myself. I will only expand. I will only innovate as much as I can afford from my own funding and that uh, and that sets a, a set of parameters and then work out what you as a as a leader what are, what are your red lines well if you were to let go to tomorrow and you said right this is enough this is for enough of the business enough for me what else would you really care about and for me it was the ethics of the business nothing else is the truth of the matter the ethics of the business the way we do things um, you know, the, the colour, obviously, Webmart is a, a very strong yellow kind of brand and stuff. Actually, it's nice and I like it. It's vibrant, mm. but it's not what matters. And if, if, if the team said, listen, we want to be green or we want to be bright red, um, it wouldn't make them as long as the ethics are the, are the same. So set those, those parameters and, and be honest about it and then say, listen, would this, would this engage the team? having something like the Web, the Webmart Sexy Scheme, would this give them an opportunity? The nice thing is that it's all about growth of profitability of individuals and what have you. So it's a very positive uh, a very positive approach going forward. And also, as a, you're not giving anything away. They're creating it. It's all about growth, you see. So it's it's not, oh, I've put 30 years and therefore, oh, 20 years or 10 years, and therefore it's mine, you know. You've actually got a full return for the effort that you've put in, and now you need to have a, a, a way of giving other people the opportunity. And if you do that, then wow. And the, the, the two things that will let you know whether you're being successful or on the way is how honest and open you can be with people and how empowering you can be with in people. And you need to get the right team in place and you need to get the right mix of people to take it forward. So it's, it really is all, I mean, a company is only, in my uh, view, is a bag of people. You get the best people, you get the best business. You get the best people aligned, you get a great business. And so these those two things together will allow you to do that. And you've got to be honest, if you know people aren't the right people for the business, you take the other calls. You know, get the, you, you can't have them on board if you, in, in that world. You, you can try and change them and amend them. But if they don't want to be, then it's only fair on the rest of the team to replace them with somebody else. And it's, you know, we, we all know people in our businesses that we should have got rid of faster. And when you actually do eventually get rid of them, then actually it, the business improves. Every weight's lifted off everybody's shoulders and you never hear, oh, if only X or Y was there. You know, it, 
And so that's the kind of there is you know still got to be a hard edge to it. It's not all, it's not fluffy. It's 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 rigorous, not ruthless. So you if you know what you need to do, you do it. I like that rigorous and not ruthless. Super stuff. That's been amazing. Really, really enjoyed that. Really, really solid. Just before we wrap it, then, yeah. Where you mentioned the sexy scheme and everything uh, of the happy ometer. I love that name, by the way. Uh, is that all on the website? Where on the website, webmart uk or one word dot com. W e b m a r t u k dot com. Excellent. We'll get it in the show notes. Okay. Super. Thank you very much, sir. No problem. Nice Real to see pleasure. you. Take Likewise. Care. Beautiful. <laughs>